0: On Sex Positive Me, we explore all aspects of sex and relationships, ranging from fetishes and BDSM to ethical non-monogamy and LGBTQ issues. Sex Positive Me destigmatizes sexual practices and relationships while reconciling reality with myth and misconceptions. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and be advocates of sexual freedom. And
1: now here's your hosts, Angelique and John Luna. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here back in... Pre-COVID land, I don't know. I, I'm trying Pre-COVID? to think. Well, no, no. I don't Post-COVID. know. Post-COVID, it's still I'm, I'm like lost. Oh,
0: and we please. shouldn't say that word. It's March. Oh, we're going through spring. I'm actually already have my sights set on summer. I, I am dying. Like like okay, I'm in Florida, and I know the rest of the country is kind of jealous to say the least. But we had like an 80 degree day and staying inside was impossible i had well, to go out the
1: rest of the country is jealous of florida texas and a couple others that like don't uh, enforce them, the mask mandate that's we, why we,
0: we won't go into that but okay, texas okay, has some hard times i'm yeah, not gonna okay
1: fine,
0: fine, for, for, fine, for once i'm gonna go ahead and say oh my God, he's defending prayers for texas. texas no yes i'm defending texas believe it God, or not
1: no, no. hell hell fire has risen in our luna household
0: well, we usually make fun of Texas because they have the strangest sex laws.
1: Dildo Diaries on YouTube. Go check it out. Very funny. <laughs> really seeing the true side of Ted Cruz. Dildo Diaries. Limited of six dildos in the state of Texas. Anything left or that? You're considered a felon.
0: I, I, I know. I just, I, I don't know. I would go there and do it and like have like seven dildos on my belt just so I have federal <laughs> uh, state agents chase me through the airport. Oh, well but we need to do a switch here <laughs> because we have a guest
1: we have a fun guest actually and um you know it actually goes along with our hormone and um, wellness treatment oh i totally forgot i'm angelique this is john and we're, we're just having a banter of fun because this book is super excited it's diet for great sex with miss christine de la Lo- oh i knew i was scared of Rosa. welcome 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 <laughs>
0: So, I love this. You're, you're, you have the background acupuncture, herbalist, and now an author. You have a book now on Amazon. It's Diet for Great Sex Food for Male and Female Sexual Health. And honestly, we enjoyed reading it. It definitely touched on a lot, a lot of, well, it definitely elaborated on stuff like, you know, don't go to Golden Corral before a date because that's not going to work out and be cuddle time. But <laughs> you went into the the, the specifics and uh, I'm sorry, I keep talking. Please tell us. <laughs>
2: She's probably okay with it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry. I think um, my, my internet connection was a little, it, I, I got a little message that it was uh, unstable for a minute. So I apologize about that um so um i'm sorry can you repeat your question
0: nope um i want to go ahead and have you just tell us about your book because it says um i mean obviously bringing food into sex this is something that there's so much speculation about but so i would i think so little research about because you hear about aphrodisiacs and you hear their bs and you hear about this I want to hear from the expert
1: why you decided to write this book, because also, like I said, she has like the hormones, the nervous system. It's not just the food part. It's just the whole trifecta that I was reading.
2: Yeah. You know, that's the thing is that we think about sex as a psychological phenomenon. You know, great sex is when you're with the right person, it's the right mood, you know, you're feeling good, but physiologically, it's when your hormones are delivering strong, rapid nerve impulses to and from your genitals. It's when our blood vessels are delivering abundant blood flow to the genitals. And it's when our sex hormones are balanced. When that's all in place, sex is wonderful and food very much affects this. So I've always been obsessed with um, health, diet and nutrition. And when I started specializing in sexual health in my private practice, I wanted to bring that passion to my patients. Um, I trained as a research scientist when I was in college. I, you know, read research. I participated in research, and so I decided to take a look at the medical and nutritional research out there to see, you know, what what was out there. Is there any evidence to show, you know, what should we be eating? You know, and and how much does this affect sex? I was blown away by how much research exists. In this arena, both to directly, you know, point us in the right direction and indirectly to point us in the right direction. So there's tons. I reviewed tons and tons of clinical and epidemiological studies on um, on diet and, you know, just uh, in order to show how we can eat to have the strongest nerve impulses. You know, how we can eat to nourish our blood vessels. And optimize, you know, vascular function to and from the genitals. You know, most people know that guys need adequate blood flow. You know, we all know that, but most people don't know that women, female, the female anatomy, uh, we need adequate blood flow as well. Our pleasure, our sexual function, our arousal response is all dependent on blood flow. And um, females who have better blood flow have more pleasure, according to research. So. We can affect that with what we eat, both in the short term and the long run. Even one meal, they've done studies, one meal will affect how well your blood vessels are functioning. It'll affect how elastic they are. It will affect um, how dilated they are. It, It affects a lot of things. You know, If you eat a really high salt meal, for example, within 30 minutes, your blood vessels will be measurably stiffer. And that means less blood flow and that means less pleasure. That's why we so, have our McDonald's after the sex, not before. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Makes you think twice before going for those frozen meals, because I know they're always hugely high in sodium.
2: Oh, my goodness. And they're high in fat. They're high in all the good stuff. You know, they're high in fat. They're high in sugar. They're high in sodium. And that's why they taste so darn good, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, but when the, the pleasure is always so short-lived, because what tastes good always has its revenge at some point. <laughs> and you I know,
1: suppose
0: revenge. I'm not quite that bad, <laughs> but I'm willing to sacrifice some flavor for better sex.
2: You know what, though? That's the thing is that there, why do we even seek out these high fat, high salt, you know, high sugar meals? It's to boost our dopamine. That's what every human being seeks out. We seek to get this dopamine rush. And you know what? We can get it from sex. We can get it from better sex. So you just, you know, delay gratification a little bit. And you get it in an even better way
0: see that that just backs up our theory of m- more a, a fitter you through sex and arousal yes,
2: <laughs> yes.
1: exactly we're not talking about wink watchers today no we're <laughs> moving on from that
0: one so how'd you actually come up with the diet plan and how does it work Again, you know, i don't want to give away your whole book but i'm sure our listeners Obviously, uh, most of our listeners are either vanilla with sprinkles, swingers, poly, kinky people, so they're probably on edge going, yes, more?
2: (laughs) Sure. Well, let me tell you about the absolute best food for sex in existence, and I'll tell you about why, and why it's the best food for sex. The best food for sex are leaves, okay? If you look at primates, you will see primates no matter what Else, they're eating. They will be eating lots of leaves. You know, they sit around all day eating leaves, and they have great sex. You know, they don't have the same issues that we have. Um, they eat more in accordance with what nature intended, and therefore, they have sex with ease. They have pleasure with ease. You know, things come naturally. When we stick to what Mother Nature intended, we our bodies will be um, will serve us better. So leaves contain all sorts of things that affect this trifecta of great sex. They have phytonutrients, which um, they're high in antioxidants, for example, which nourish blood vessels. They protect nerves and they repair damage to nerves. And what that means is that our nerves fire more strong, rapid impulses. We know very clearly from science that the stronger and more rapid our nerve impulses are, the more pleasurable it will be when our partner touches us. It also even affects hormones. So leafy greens reduce the stress hormone cortisol. And when cortisol levels are high, it interferes with our testosterone levels. And testosterone is a major player in libido and overall sexual function. And not only that, you get things like potassium, you get other minerals that are critical, you know, key players in sexual health. So if you wanted to just make one change in your diet where you're going to get a lot of benefit from it, it would be to have a big, huge leafy green salad every single day for lunch.
0: You know, we've been hearing that for years and no one ever ever tied it into sex like if they told me in college of all the things they could have told me about you know (laughs) because heart disease runs in my family and you know my doctor's always saying you need to eat more greens and and, and on tv it's more greens all they had to say is greens equal better sex and i would have been sold (laughs) on that
1: right Well, well that that in my philosophy if they told us in biology class know the anatomy of the body to have great sex, I would have paid more
2: attention. Yes. You know, I think back to all of the times that I, you know, was carefree as a kid, just sitting there eating a whole box of little Debbie snack cakes or, you know, something yes. just, <laughs> I had not, I didn't have a carer in the world. You know, little did I know later on that stuff was going to be, you know, sneaking up and affecting blood flow to the clitoris, you know, and little did I know all those little Debbie snack cakes were going to interfere with, you know, orgasm, sexual pleasure, all those things. Um, so the earlier we can start, of course, the better, uh, the better, but lots of studies show even small changes can definitely have a direct impact on sex.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
2: Poor so, little Debbie.
0: I, I know I'm thinking this, you know, <laughs> L- L- little Debbie, some type of anti-sex campaign. My, my, say, <laughs> my,
1: my not going with Kellogg's, okay? N- well, no,
0: my, my default was Enemans. There was an Enemans outlet like down the block for me growing up. And and it's funny because I remember them being called Ding Dongs. And at that time, it wasn't as funny <laughs> as I'm thinking of them now. But man, I used to eat those and those coffee cakes. I ate way too much.
2: Yeah, and that's about the most horrible thing you can eat for sex because it has all the bad stuff. It has everything for bad sex. So, if you let's say we wanted to, none of us do, let's say we wanted to put ourselves on the bad sex diet, the sex, you know, to have the worst sex possible, we'd be eating tons of those ding dongs. And we'd be eating, you know, the little Debbie's and the entomans because they've got tons of fat, which stiffens our blood vessels, less blood flow. They've got tons of sugar, which completely disrupt our sex hormones. You know, they've got uh, tons of, um, let's see, fat, sugar, salt. That, they, yeah, they, mo- they pretty much have it all, you know, so <laughs> that's the that's a bad sex uh, food for the day
1: sorry you know the image that popped in my head was uh dodgeball at the very end where ben stiller just lets himself go and it's all that food that she just described <laughs> the right fried
0: chicken, chicken
1: the, the pizza oh. the, and he's just yeah it was just like oh lord
0: well i'm curious because you've mentioned it a lot um what are your feelings on meat specifically even uh even <clears throat> not just red meat but also chicken and fish
2: Okay, so let's take a look again at primates. If you look at primates, you know, okay, f- I, I find this subject so fascinating from the point of view that other animals don't have this debate about what to eat or what's healthy for them. You know, they naturally know what's healthy. They eat it. There might be five different choices, but they pick the right one that's the most healthy for them. And they know what it is. We rely on food experts who, you know, will tell us completely opposing things. You know what I mean? No, no, none of us seem to know what we're talking about because, you know, (laughs) there's support that, you know, evidence is for, yeah, we have, let's, let's eat all meat. Let's, you know, just eat nothing but meat. Then we have, let's eat no meat. And quite honestly, the research to support a plant-based diet is much stronger than the research supporting like a a keto diet, that sort of thing. There's a lot more, the the body of research is larger. However, if you look at primates, for example, um, you know, the the amount of meat that primates other primates because we're primates you know human beings are primates so if we want to say okay we've lost our way you know how how do we regain this sense of what we should eat let's let's look at our primate cousins the range of what of their animal product intake ranges from like 0% in some species to 90% in other species and it's mostly insects but some mammals you know things like that if you look at zoos for example Zoos typically feed their primates. um, Well, depending on the zoo and depending on the primate, they might feed them. um, A lot of times they'll feed them a completely vegetarian diet. And there was one study, for example, that started giving slow lorises a cricket dispenser. So they actually introduced meat into their diet and they had more sex. They, they, you know, they were, they were doing it more. So the point is this it would be impossible to say what how much exactly meat is is appropriate for our diets i would say that it's at least some um just given the nut- nutrition you know the nutrient profile of meat there are things like zinc that is readily available in meat but in order to get it from legumes you have to soak it to take out what we call phytates which bind to it and make it make the zinc unabsorbable so even populations of kids that were zinc deficient they started introducing meat and their zinc deficiencies went away. Zinc is a, a really important mineral for sex. However, we eat way too much meat, in my opinion. We, we overdo it. the type of you know we overload the fats and it's really wreaking havoc on our, our blood vessels. I don't think it's a bad idea. Anybody who wants to be plant-based, I think that's a, a great move. Um, I don't think it's necessary to be, uh, you, know, completely meat free based on the evidence that I'm looking at. Um, I think that meat can be a part of a healthy diet and particularly fish. Um, omega-3s are really important, um, are really important for hormonal balance. They're important for cardiovascular health and they're important for um, vascular function, uh, v- vascular function, nerve health, you know, all of those things. So that, you know, you can get that from plant sources, uh, meat you know, fish though, is a really good source of, of those. Unfortunately, the fish has been so contaminated by pollution that you know we have to deal with mercury, which which does have neurological effects and and can affect you know adversely affect sex, you know because of because of that. Um, wild salmon is is kind of a good um, a good middle choice in the sense that it has lower levels of mercury while also having higher levels of omega threes. If you go for like farm raised salmon, a lot of people go for farm raised salmon and that's fine, but the farm raised salmon doesn't naturally have. Um, omega-3s as much they actually have to add omega-3s to the feed in order to have the the fish have a higher content and quite honestly the close the close quarters they have a lot of toxins that they release and 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 it's um in my opinion uh, your your best bet is going with wild
0: interesting Man, and i don't know so where you guys factors.
2: fall on 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 that i know that everybody's very protective of their Views on meat consumption. I it can be oh, a no, sensitive no. subject. Um,
0: it's it's an, it's not a personal subject. It's I've done Atkins before, and I've done that. I've also gone a lot more plant based at certain other times in my life. Um, right now, we're we're doing. We've met a nice balance that we do have regular salads. We do when they were open, visited farmers markets because the stuff you get locally is so much better than the stuff you get that comes in a bag. I mean, it just tastes better. It's just straight from the farm. And I believe it, it wilts quicker. And that's the biggest experiment. I, we will buy stuff on Saturday. And by Wednesday, I'm like, why is this apple look like it's been here two weeks? Well, that's how the apple should look. And we, we don't really think about that because we're in such an industrial industrialized society that, you know, we expect all our foods to be on demand and last forever. So,
1: forever. Well,
0: It's true. It's true. Someone's guilty of buying stuff and then waiting like four hey, weeks hey, to hey, eat it
1: Yeah, you, while
0: I stare at it.
1: Yeah. You going after my pancakes there.
2: Damn you. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you're lucky that you're not looking in my refrigerator right now because I have <laughs> all the produce is like from weeks ago that I <laughs> that I haven't eaten and it's like going bad. So I'm I'm guilty of it, too. We, I think we all are. But yeah, the CSAs, I really like CSAs because the stuff is super fresh. A lot of CSAs that you can get, you know, community supported agriculture. You can get the stuff that's picked that day. It's amazing to me. I went into my local uh, co-op and I was looking at a bunch of scallions and they were like, yeah. I said, wow, these look so fresh. They said they were in the ground uh, four days ago and that was really good. And I thought, wow, I wonder how long it's been since, you know, the most of the food that I eat, how long it was since it was actually in the ground. When I get my CSA, it was in the ground that day, which is cool. You know, so I get my CSA share and and it's super fresh and it tends to last a little bit longer just because it's been so recent and the minerals are um, prime as well. You know, they tend to degrade as time goes on.
0: Well, we had an interesting uh, chat once with someone who's doing an experiment in vertical farming and they were raising lettuce. And the most interesting thing I found was most of the lettuce um, for the country was coming out of, I believe, California, Yeah, it was
1: California there, because it was like it took four days before it got to Florida.
0: So even before it got here, and I think it was closer to seven on some aspects because yeah. they would truck it over, is that it's already been out of the ground six, seven days before it even hits the shelf. And then we got to eat it. So obviously they're pushing to make it last longer and longer. And what they're doing to make that longer and longer isn't natural.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I noticed that I I was kind of wondering what was going on when I, I had this, this pint of berries that lasted like, I think nine or 10 days in my fridge. And I'm like, Wait a minute. That's never happened before. These usually are good for like two days. I'm like, what are they doing to keep this so fresh? I'm I'm not sure. I like this, you know.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I do want to touch on going back to the book as we were going through it. It was written very tongue in cheek, which I liked. It had facts in there, but I think what 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 wait what was the spice you can com- you put to the? It's the kinky spice. We were chili. The- <laughs> chili. The way yeah, you talked about it juice. being the the BDSM of, uh, of the spices.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it is funny. It's like, it's the, actually one of the only vegetables that produces pain and pleasure at the same time, physiologically. So it's, it's a really cool one. Great for, for anybody who's into a little bit of, um, you know, sadomasochism um, because it's, it's got everything all in one.
0: It definitely kicks up the flavor when there is none. I'll give you that one. <laughs>
1: No, but I actually appreciate a lot of like the history of like where a lot of stuff came from, what we thought for it. Like I didn't even know about the saffron war and I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? People are fighting over saffron and then looking at the benefits of, you know, it's great libido for both men and women. I'm like, okay, that's, that makes sense. You know, fighting for that.
0: Well, that actually gives us a great segue into my favorite topics. (laughs) aphrodisiacs. This is something that people say definitely does exist. Some people say, you know, it's a myth and it's, it's, it's not a love potion. It is, I guess. It's not
1: a pull start either. Like as soon as you take it, it starts everything up. <laughs>
0: but it is eating right. And so you said certain foods or when you eat right, it may affect you quickly. What do you say? Even one meal may affect it. So
2: Sure. So, okay. So we've got, I wrote read a whole chapter on aphrodisiac foods. And most of the only ones I really wrote on there were a couple that didn't have research to support them but I tried to stick just to the ones that actually had some research to support their efficacy. Mind you, sometimes it was only two or three studies it wasn't a lot of research because it's not something that's studied a lot. but. All of the herbs in there, with the exception, I think of chocolate, I talked about chocolate just because everybody knows it as an aphrodisiac and it has such a rich history, you know, with Montezuma consuming like 50 cups of chocolate to please all of his wives and everything, you know, they are effective, however, it's not like Spanish fly, you know, it's not that you slip it in and, you know, it's just going to loosen them up and they're just not going to really be able to resist you. You know, it's not like that.
0: (laughs) It's not on demand.
2: Right. It's not, it's, it's more like it'll increase blood flow. It it may help, you know, maybe give you a little boost in testosterone. So you might be feeling a little bit more receptive, that sort of thing. Um, Saffron has been the most widely studied aphrodisiac besides of course, Spanish fly. But as far as culinary aphrodisiacs, saffron has tons of research. They use it in animals, they you know in breeding, they use it in humans, and you know when you when you have saffron, people have more sex, they have better sex, they have better blood flow. So it's it does have a good amount of research to support that it actually works.
0: Hmm. It's nice to get everything backed up by science, but you're right, there is so little research done in a lot of sexual areas because there's no money in it exactly unfortunately we need funding to go ahead and prove all these sexual things but once we prove them well then you just eat right and no one can sell you a pill
2: <laughs> well I don't you know. know the there's some she- basic oh i'm sorry i'm sorry um, there's some basic you know guidelines that you can use that have lots of research to support them and that's, let's eat more fruits and vegetables. You know, let's stay a little bit closer to nature. If we want something that's just general, basic and easy to follow, that's kind of the mantra that we can, we can go by.
0: Cool. So what about traditional Chinese medicine? Does that, I mean, we've heard a little bit about promoting sexual health and it is one of those, a lot of the stuff we're finding out, Well, we'll, we'll go through my little opinion of this, yeah. this the Asians still have their ancient chinese medicine.
1: They have a lot of ancient chinese secrets.
0: What we have is unfortunately um in the 14th 15th centuries kind of the, the all that was called witchcraft and burned at the stake. So we lost all of those secrets. We had them at some point. So now we got to go back and rely on the Chinese for the uh the secrets <laughs> there the 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 ancient proven stuff.
1: Exactly. And which was kind of comical when I was reading the book. Um, I don't know if you know the the movie uh, Practical Witches. That scene no. where... Uh, Wait, Practical scene, Magic? Practical Magic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I practical.
2: love that movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the Sandra Bullock, like she's in the herbal shop making all this stuff for the guy <laughs> to help. And I'm like, that's the scene that I was seeing while I was reading the book. Oh my God, it's exactly <laughs> like that. You know, like, this is what you need to do and this is where you apply it. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's amazing how long people have been, you know, mashing up herbs to try to have better sex. You know, it's been going on for, you know, <laughs> since since the existence of humans. And, um, you know, we, we've wanted great sex, you know, even back then. And uh, yeah, you know, we can get it. Chinese medicine views great sex um, as something that occurs when we have really great flow of qi and blood. Chi is one of those things that's like the slippery concept that we don't really use around here. We don't really use the term we know about blood. We know about um, you know body fluids, but the, the concept of chi moving through our body is not something that we um, can wrap our heads around a lot. But if you think about it, it's just their vital life essence. And you can see that in something like um, a green contraction of the heart. That's the movement of chi. Peristalsis, you know, moving food from the mouth out through to the other side, uh, the lungs, Opening to bring air into that—that's the movement of chi. Every time a nerve fires, that's the movement movement of chi. And so, when we have chi that is abundant and blood that is abundant and it's unblocked, we have great sex. So, our goal with our diet and with our lifestyle then is to keep the the chi flowing. And you know that, that that's easy to see, and that corresponds very nicely to to um, biological medicine as well. You know, we, we wanna nourish our nerves so that our nerves are firing nicely and we want to keep our blood flowing.
0: That's really the first time I've heard about nerves not firing or, or no, you said not firing quick. It's not something you hear a lot outside, I'm assuming of the medical community. Um, you hear a lot about digestion. I hear a lot about blood flow. But um, the interesting that your diet can affect the way your nerves fire. That's like the first time I've heard of that.
2: You can see that you know, on a more extreme level with type 2 diabetes, for example, that you know, we, we all know that it's called diabetic neuropathy. It's when our nerves, you know they, because of nerve damage, nerves either fire when they shouldn't be, or they're not firing very quickly, they're not firing very strongly. And we know that 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 occurs with type 2 diabetes and that they also tend to have um, sexual side effects of that. We also know that when we add antioxidants to their diets, that they have better sex.
1: What do you, hmm, because I'm a type two diabetic now, you're like, thinking, yeah, and i, I'm, here I'm, I was I'm
2: poking at
0: you. I,
1: exactly. Here I was like, <laughs> hey, we should give him, I, I should give John more some Damiena, De- Damiana. how do you pronounce I it? I don't
0: know how to pronounce that. Damiana.
2: Yeah.
1: Damiana. yes, because he's like, he has anxiety and help with etc. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put that more in his diet. So I'm trying to alleviate the anxiety part. Yeah, no, I was already plotting some things here with your book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I like the way it goes through. It's definitely splits up um, into different spices and herbs and, you know, what they all do sort of, as well as, again, the history and the cheekiness of it. I've been, I'm enjoying of that, that that humor of it. So
1: yeah, how Marquis the Sad almost killed all his prostitutes in an orgy with a Spanish fly. I was like, what?
0: I never <laughs> knew, you know, Spanish fly is one of those things I heard about in like grammar school, like third grade <laughs> when you didn't, I barely knew what sex was.
2: yeah
1: 12 years to all boys catholic school no no 12
0: years of catholic school four years of all boys high school (laughs) i i I wasn't a yeah we'll move on from that one
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's why they taught you about the spanish fly because it was in the bible for something bad
2: Yeah, that's another one that's been used for, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years um, with a lot of bad, bad results, you know, death, um, you know, (laughs) all sorts of things. There was one, uh, you know, royalty uh, was known. There was one queen, I believe she was, that would slip some Spanish fly into her guests meals and then just wait for them to, you know, have you know, deviant behavior, and then she would blackmail them, you know, (laughs) so just to get, you know, just to have them under her thumb, you know, with the Spanish fly. Um, But of course, the amount that you need to have a positive result with Spanish fly is dangerously close to the amount that's toxic. And so it's really hard to have consistent, reliable, safe results with it. So that's why so many people have had, you know, death as a result of using it.
0: Man, I never our pursuit of sex goes all the way to the near death experience. Um, yeah, let's write Spanish Fly off the recommended list.
1: I'm still trying to figure out if there's more researches on prunes and the brothel houses.
2: <laughs> no, That's there were there was not. I tried, I tried to find it because I was like, wow, you know, that was standard practice. You know, standard practice was you served prunes in these brothels, you know, to get your customers in the mood. But I found absolutely no no research to support that. So that was off the table. But you know what? There's a lot of um, basic dietary practices that we can incorporate that will absolutely lead to better sex. Very simple, like leafy greens, like, you know, having, you know, if we just take one meal, which is lunch, have a nice green leafy salad and have a baked potato or a yam with it. Then we've got all the nutrients from the salad. And we also have a high potassium meal and high potassium is something that, um, that very much helps with sex. We don't typically get enough of enough potassium. I think it was like 97% of Americans did not get enough potassium in their diets Hmm. and it wreaks havoc on our blood vessels up your potassium. Your blood vessels are more elastic. They are, um, the, the lining of the blood vessels is, um, you know, it cares for those and that in that way, it um, delivers more blood flow. So the, the thing about it is, the thing about humans is that in history, we used to have about 10 times as much potassium in our diets as sodium. Now it's just the opposite. We've taken about 10 times as much sodium as potassium in our diets. And that's just not good at all for sex. It's, it's just, it stiffens blood vessels. It creates these um, calcium deposits that, um, that, that accumulate on our blood vessels and just overall leads to, to bad sex.
0: Well, beyond that, I got to ask, is that also a Charlie horse? Because I know every time I get a Charlie horse, I'm told to eat a banana because of the potassium.
2: Yeah, you know, there's there are three... Three minute. Well, there are a lot of minerals involved in muscle contraction. One of them is, you know, we have potassium, which is more associated with muscle contraction. Then you have magnesium, which is more associated with muscle release. But also potassium and zinc are are involved in that in that process as well. So, get more vitamins and minerals. You know, primates, other primates, take in many times the amount of those minerals that we do because of the fact that they eat so many leaves and fruit. Hmm.
0: So uh, I do want to ask, because when I think of potassium, the only thing I think of is a banana. What other foods are, are high in potassium?
2: You know what? There's actually not. It's a very short list. You would be surprised. You actually have to make a conscious effort to, to eat more potassium in order to get enough of it. Um, the best sources are potatoes with the skin, because 40% of the mineral is in the skin. Yams with the skin, banana, squash, oranges, um, mango, mango is another good choice, kiwi, uh, but yeah, it's not a long list at all. Oh, leafy greens have potassium as well, and broccoli, you know, there's there are more listed in, in the book, but um, yeah, most other vegetables have much smaller amounts of potassium.
0: So let me ask you, who was the target audience for this? Because it sounds like, um, again, those just trying to get healthier, but this could definitely help with erectile dysfunction, especially if you have a horrible fast food based diet. Um, I know I never eat too bad, but I was actually diagnosed with low testosterone years ago. And that's, that's something that's somewhat has affected my life. And I think we've all gone through reduced libido here and there, depending on where we are. But um, I mean, who should be buying this book? I
2: I originally wrote it with my patients in mind, you know, the people who come to see me and, you know, my patients range in age from, you know, like, early thirties to like late seventies, but anybody who wants better sex, that's the thing is it's not, it, it could help with erectile dysfunction, but it's more about having the best sex that we can have, because even those of us who are younger in our thirties may not be having the best sex based on our diets. You know, we could have more blood flow. We could have stronger nerve conduction. We could have a better balance of, of sex hormones. So, no matter where you're at, you can have better sex. The thing about cardiovascular um, health and sex is that the blood vessels leading to the clitoris and the penis are among the smallest in the body. So those see that plaque accumulation first. So when we get any kind of plaque accumulation, those are gonna be the ones that are blocked first, which is why that's the first sign of heart disease is reduced you know, sexual function and sexual pleasure. So that's something that we want to get early on. There aren't too many foods that actually remove those those um, plaque accumulations, but one of them is leafy greens. So that's that's a good sign. That's a good another now, now reason to eat order- it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think that's I nature's playing a <laughs> bad game with us. But the smallest <laughs> the smallest blood vessels are the ones that go to our genitals. That I'm calling foul on that one. That sounds like a design flaw.
1: It is a design flaw because you know we're teaching what you know arouses it. Now we have to like add to the teachings eat more leafy greens. You want more sex, you want more, you know, things. You know, we have like pumps. I mean, he has a penis pump, I have a vulva pump. So, you know, to that way to bring it, but eating leafy greens, you know, you just kind of like use it along, but people have to understand like this diet is not like a pull start either. You know, that as soon as I take it, like my, my libido and everything's going to go skyrocketing. I'm like, no, it takes time, you know, cause you know, you got to detox because you do like suggest like a little bit of fasting there.
0: You got to get rid of that plaque in those small so- little veins.
1: <laughs> Damn it. I know, but to just be mindful and more does not mean good. <laughs> Cause I was reading some of it. It's like, Ooh, you can try to kill someone like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes we think, uh, you know, if something, if a little of something's good, a lot is better. And it's not necessarily the case, especially with fasting, a nice 24 hour fast once a week is great. You know, if you, let's say your fasting day is Thursday, you stop eating after dinner Wednesday and then you don't eat until dinner Thursday. That way you really just have to skip breakfast and lunch. You get a nice cleanse to your body. You help reset your hormones. And, um, it really does help to balance sex hormones and get offer a lot of other, uh, uh, other benefits as well to sex.
0: Do we've been practicing fasting going on about a year now? Yeah. And we will intermittently do it. Um, I know breakfast I used to get up and that was the first thing I did was put something in my mouth. And now I've, I've, I'm a huge fan of breakfast. So I've replaced lunch with breakfast somewhere around noon or one o'clock. And then I try to go ahead and get all my eating done by 8 PM. So get it in that eight hour period. So I'm left with 16 hours, 15, 16 hours of letting my body finish with that food. And, and, and again, have its time to readjust itself. And it's done wonders. I will say both weight wise and
1: energy wise, libido wise, stamina, the whole nine yards, we've seen such a dramatic effect on it that we're just like, okay, there is some science to this. This does make sense. You know, not just people like saying, oh, this is great for weight loss. And then it's like, no, you have to see the overall picture. What else are you benefiting from?
2: Yeah. There's lots of research on fasting and how, how many different aspects of health it benefits. Another one is just appetite, you know, so you're, it's like priming your body for all of the other efforts, uh, you know, so you're not as hungry, you know, throughout the day. So you have more control over what you eat. And, uh, so it just has such a global effect on health, not just sexually.
0: And I have found out that if I eat later at night, the first thing I want to do is eat more the next day. So it is one of those, and it's like a hump you just have to get over. But I think for sex, our listeners will, will, will bite the bullet on that one
1: they can't buy it. We're not taking one for the team. They got to like, understand this is for their pleasure. That's true. <laughs> That's what we always do everything. And it's like, I like how at the end of the book, you you kind of give them like a test and ask them questions and how to set up for a sexy date night based on everything you've gone through in the book, you know, because, you know, sometimes people need to think more than just what they read. Because one thing we've noticed, it's like as children, we have great imagination. But once we become an adult, we completely lose it, you know, that we, we don't have an imagination. It's like you, you got to think back, you know, to the fun, curious, what do we want to do? What do we want to explore? And giving them tips and tricks at the end of the book, as, lo- as well as these uh, diet recipes and like a planning me- you know, menu that they should. It's great advice.
2: Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you saw that because um, in Chinese medicine, our, you know, our mind and our emotions are not considered distinct, you know, entities from our body. You know, it's not like there's psychology and then there's like physiology. Everything is the same. It's all interconnected. And so I wanted to devote a chapter just to the more relationship and emotional aspect of of great sex, you know, we can treat our bodies really nicely. We can, you know, help our nerves to fire more rapid impulses. But if we're not, you know, considering beyond our own pleasure and beyond ourselves, we're not going to get maximum, you know, the best sex possible. And we're not going to be giving the best sex possible to our partner. You know, kindness is such a fundamental aspect of great sex. So um, I I did devote a chapter to that as well as another chapter to, um, tips for, for pleasing our partner, you know, a very concrete specific tips.
0: Well, I know you also talked a little bit about acupuncture. I have done that once I actually did it. I know I did it on a cruise ship, you know, you get on there on vacation and they had it up there and they had relaxation package. And I said, I need that one. And it worked. I haven't gotten it since. Just because i haven't actually sought it out but i do know that for that one time i tried it i'm like whoa it it definitely definitely did work um you were talking about doing it for i guess release tension and hangups.
2: yeah I, I treat you know i i i specialize in sexual health in my private practice but of course acupuncturists in general we treat a lot of pain conditions you know we treat neck pain back pain that sort of thing but I specialize in sexual health, so um, it can be really good. I mean, acupuncture moves chi on the meridians of the body. Well, those meridians correspond with the nervous system and they correspond with the vascular system. And every single substance produced by the body, every hormone, every neurotransmitter is all controlled by the nervous system. So when we stimulate points on the nervous system, we affect change in in the, the chemistry of the body we will see change in things like testosterone, estrogen, as well as a whole number of other substances such as dopamine and everything. And one of the things that people are kind of surprised about is that when I treat patients for sexual function, I typically do uh, use a needle in the perineum, which is the, the area between the, either the testicles and the anus or the vagina and the anus, because right underneath there is a major crossing of nerves associated with sexual function. So when we stimulate that point, we, um, it's, it's a very powerful effect on blood flow and just overall sexual function. Patients have, Typically, really good results with libido, with blood flow, and with pleasure. So
0: now, no, now she's really got my attention. It's. In the perineum, I'm like I'm both aroused, intrigued, and a little fear of it. I'm sure it's not a painful (laughs) thing. Obviously, nothing in
1: no, but we always in class also suggest to play with that area, the perineum. That's true. You know, either just gently, you know, rubbing it or pressing on it, massaging it. I mean, some you know prefer like a harder punch to it, but again, it's whatever (laughs) their. you know, tolerances, you know, what what they could enjoy, but we always do mention and suggest that they do touch the perineum because it is the most um what do you call it lacked or um indirect
0: uh, way to the prostate
1: well it's indirect way but it, it's like ignored you know kind of like yeah. we just ignore it. it doesn't exist it's like yeah, you're, you're just there and i'm like no there's there's pressure points there there's like pleasure you could have that stimulate it you know because we're for, firm believers in mind body and spirit if one's off everything else is off so yeah. it's all connected Um, I mean, we've studied Tantra, we do um, Tantra massages in it because we do understand that there is energy blockage and you're just trying to like move the energy around so people could understand that it affects your whole body. And we've had a lot of clients come back and said, boy, that's the best sex I had with my partner (laughs) in a long time after having one session. And we're like, okay, you were pretty blocked there, you know? Yeah. after doing it, we kind of like have zone in and pinpoint, okay, you're blocked on your root chakra more than you are in your sacral. And, you know, it, it is a lot of practice and learning. And it's just trying to teach people that, you know, the body is energy, you're are exchanging it. And then, you know, also with exchanging your energy during sex, I was like, one of the questions that kind of got me on, it's like, who who said you had to limit good sex for your health? I was like, what? That was more sex <laughs> for healthier life.
0: No, I, I definitely support the more sex part.
1: Yeah, but I want to know who said that. Yeah.
2: Well, okay. So this is something that we're taught, you know, when we go to acupuncture school, we're taught that this is a fundamental tenet of uh, traditional Chinese medicine that you should limit sex uh, be, to conserve your essence, well, at least particularly for males. But if you look back a little bit further in history, it wasn't always the case. It As soon as Confucianism, you know, kind of took hold, that's when these more restrictive, controlling kind of views on sexuality took took hold. Before that, you know, we saw rulers who would have like 81 concubines and they would be encouraged to have as much sex as possible because this, they were extracting this essence, you know, this vital essence from the sexual act that was going to nourish their sperm. And so that they would have the best sperm. They'd, they'd, you know, build it up with the concubines. Then on the full moon, they'd serve the queen, this like magnificent sperm that was going to, you know, create a, a wonderful, smart, you know, Um, strong heir, you know, to the throne. And so that was completely different than this notion of, you know, conserving, conserving um, your essence, uh, because, you know, sex is, is, um, is depleting it.
1: I knew it. Some kind of religion tried to control us with sex.
0: No, that's never (laughs) happened before. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) This has been a pleasure. We've been having so much fun. Love your book here. Please tell our
2: audience member where they could find you, where they could
1: reach out. And where
0: they can buy the book. Yeah,
2: sure. So you can get the book on Amazon. It's called Diet for Great Sex by Christine Delosier. My website is dietforgreatsex.com. And I'm also on social media. I'm not great with social media, but I am on there. So you can reach out that way. On my website, I have some contact information so you can shoot me an email if you want to get a hold of me.
0: Well, we'll put those links in the show notes, but thank you again for uh, coming on the show. It was it was great talking about you. It's great great to go ahead and get uh, someone else backing us up on- <laughs> our <the> se- antics. <laughs> well, it's it's obviously- She we, did the science
1: part for she us. She so I'm like, I'm, yeah. <laughs>
0: I am not a research scientist and I'm glad <laughs> someone else can po- pull up the research on this. So thanks again. We really appreciate it.
2: We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Hey John, I want to get a new toy.
0: Okay, so let's go to Fairville.
1: But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what.
0: Well, there's Fairville University and their staff is very well educated and helpful.
1: Okay, but how about if I just want to go to a party instead?
0: Then go to their website, because on their calendar they list all their events.
1: But I don't want to spend a lot of money.
0: Have you heard of their loyalty program?
1: Oh yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it.
0: That's the one. Let's go. Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fair Fair Villa for for pleasure, fun, and and fantasy.
1: fantasy. Thank you for listening to Sex Positive Me. If you like our content, please like, subscribe, and review us. You can find us on social media platforms at Sex Positive Me or on our website at sexpositiveme.com. You can also reach me on all social media platforms as Miss Angelique Luna.
0: And you can find me at John C. Luna. And if you liked content like this and want some more, please subscribe to our monthly newsletter. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.